right now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Good morning, you. Jeff. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a council meeting last night, the first one of October. Yeah. We're, we are in the final quarter we of are. Uh, 2022 now. It seems to have gone by rather quickly, but uh, I guess they all kind of do after a while. <laughs> let's talk about uh, the agenda items last night. There were just three. Yeah. Um, on the regular agenda. Uh, We'll start off with, uh, there was a resolution to accept the capital improvement plan for pedestrian and bikeway uh, from the recommendations report. Um, Did that get passed? And what does that, I guess, that mean? Yeah, this is really um, an important opportunity, I think, for the council to really proactively move forward pedestrian safety in the community with the trails, sidewalks, and crosswalks. So the study really identified different ways, not only an approved uh, bicycle way, uh, let me get that right, a two-way protected bikeway as a recommended option for a way for people to get through the community on bike paths or this two-way bikeway, protected bikeway, so that people don't get to the end of a trail and say, oh, it poof, it disappears. Now what do I do? So really this continuity, connecting the segments, getting a design in place that people know and understand and are used to be on, are used to utilizing and being on throughout the community. And so the the council has looked on this really favorably past 7-0 last night. It also identified 45 different intersections within the city that uh, for pedestrian crossing improvements. Also, just really important in this moment to look at all the different ways that we make movement throughout the community safer for everyone. What does this mean exactly? <laughs> Maybe, I mean, okay, you, you approved the report, or you accepted the report. Uh, are we going to build everything next year? Yes. Are the roads going to be everything yes. flipped around? And is it, yeah, are we not going to know what's going on by the end of next year? What, what does that mean in, in, for practically to the motorists, the pedestrians, and the bicyclists in town? Let's just shorten in that. We're <laughs> yeah. just going to get it done in the next six months. <laughs> we just fast-track everything. Yeah, no. I would say that... Um, it gets integrated into our planning, and I think it creates more predictability when we do our street planning uh, and how we, in particular, these corridors on how we connect different segments of the community together in a more coordinated manner. So it should have us have more vetting of what our design plans are. And then the benefit of that, too, is from a biker, walker standpoint, you, it's more predictable, too, for drivers, for walkers and bikers to kind of have a similar network. That was actually one of the key one of the main considerations or one key consideration related to the design recommendation related to the um, cycle track concept where it's a two-way was is that the existing design of our streets, the widths that they are and things, really would be, it it fits better to make it more reasonable to phase it in over time because a lot of our projects that we do year to year is a resurfacing, not a full reconstruction. And this type of a design allows that to be accomplished to create a protected curb on some of these um, streets with a, a cycle track uh, otherwise if for example if you did like a protected bike lane or a raised um, bike lanes on you know both sides of the street um, which some people maybe prefers uh, maybe more intuitive for a lot of how we've been uh, trained to drive and things and, and bike the challenge with that is it's so expensive it would be 
really difficult to implement and would take a really long time. And so this is this is going to be a much quicker way also to integrate changes that's going to um, create much greater safety. And we'll see, you know, the protected bike lanes in particular really creates a more comfortable riding where, you know, people of all user types, kids, older people, more novice users of bikes are going to be way more comfortable um, it, with that type of a protection in there. And so that was a key part of, um, of the design uh, considerations, but it allowed to get implemented more, more quickly with that. Um, we are going to be expanding, you know, the council did have a lot of interest in the intersection safety that really wasn't, it was identified in the report, but the design solutions weren't included there. Um, so for next year's design project, it'll be integrated in our feasibility report processes like we typically do, but we're going to add an additional phase of study for the next five year, next year to take a look at the intersection design issues to continue to look at improving, uh, safety for all, uh, people and, uh, users in the community. I'm still, uh, I guess trying to wrap my head around what that's going to look like. Uh, and, uh, according to, uh, the uh, the report you had, I've just kind of looked into it. Some of the streets that this affects, uh, I'm hopefully I'm interpreting this right. So correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. Would be uh, some of the main streets: uh, Prairie Street, Nevada, and Maple Heritage Drive, uh, Adam Street, and Roosevelt Drive, uh, Lincoln Street, Armstrong Road, Washington, and Eighth Street uh, East. Uh, what is that going to look like? Is there going to be uh, like? On the right side, two lanes, one going each way for bicycles with some sort of cement or concrete mm-hmm. barrier. Is that what we're talking about here now? So it would be like a little two-lane highway on the side of the road? Yeah, for I would say for the most part. I think Armstrong Road, you really identified one there where I think there are a couple different designs that are recommended for Armstrong Road. One is, a, a, that's a portion of it no Mm -hmm. i don't remember whether that's truly county that's a county road or a city road right so we need to work with our partners on some of this stuff Mm -hmm. but it's really creating you identified those roads in there that will connect the community as a whole from the north side to the south side from the east to the west and also connect uh the to the milltown's trail from the Mm -hmm. west side so the west side currently really doesn't have a we have a way to get to the Mill Towns Trail, but you have to cross Highway 19 or you have to cross Highway 3. And so that whole segment of the community there, unless you're at a stoplight or one of Malto Meals uh, flashing lights uh, on Highway 19 there, it's a little difficult to get across. Um, so we're really trying to connect all segments of the community again, so that if you want to get on your bike and ride for a while within, even within the city of Northfield, there's a safe way for you to do that. And so kids that are living on one side of the community or the other, they also have a way to be able to get back and forth to events, to school in the morning or in the afternoon, if they're going home, we're just creating a more connected bikeway with throughout the whole community for people to be able to get back and forth. You mentioned Armstrong Road, and that's kind of stuck out for me as well, because there's a bike path right next to it, <laughs> all the way down Armstrong Road. Yes. So here's the the section of Armstrong Road that it really identifies is that where you enter Seckler, Seckler Park. Okay. So it's the trail is really identified to start from that entrance and go north to Highway 19. 
and then cross Highway 19 and connect in with Lincoln Street. Okay. So there, it's not the full length of Armstrong Road. It's, it's just, just the, okay. Where yeah. it be, kind of where it begins in the cul-de-sac there, um, which is right behind Quick Trip. No, no, not there. Okay, so it'll back continue by the compost site. Oh, okay. Start there instead of going into the uh, Seckler. It would go the other way? It provides a safe route for people to get along. I don't know. I drive Armstrong Road all the time, mm-hmm. and you see bikers and walkers on that skinny two-lane highway. There are no paved shoulders there or anything, so it's not really a safe way for people to be able to get back and forth. So this just identifies an additional way for people to safely be able to connect with the Milltowns Trail. Okay, I understand now. Okay. <laughs> you could also, I mean, it is also an industrial area where there's a lot yeah. of workers too. Mm-hmm. And so you could, you know, have a safer bi- biking route to get to work. Like the mayor said, it creates maybe a looping system with our existing Seckler Trail. And I think Olaf has some bike trails back mm-hmm. in the woods there too, where you might yeah. have people out in, in that area as well. So, okay. and, and these are large, you potentially have larger traffic, uh, large trucks, semis, and things too, where you don't really want to be riding along next to a semi on a bicycle. Yeah. So as we go along, this is, uh, this improves the the plan, and it's going to be integrated into our streets and roads as we we do them, correct? So the design will kind of happen when the roads happen, uh, for the most part? For the most part, I would say that uh, we have started integrating more uh, priority areas to connect pedestrian ways, which will be continuing. We've, we see, saw that in this year's road projects. Um, so there might be ones we'll be able to accelerate um, okay. based on the priority kind of missing links that we have within our system. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you uh, made uh, uh, an amendment to the land development code last night as well. I, I'm presuming that, uh, well, it's the first reading of that. So you'd, yeah. we've already talked about this, haven't we? I'm trying to recall what exactly that meant. <laughs> yes, there's been a lot of work on this, the development of this ordinance. This really originated from our HPC, our Historic Preservation Commission, and Rave Needham, our assistant city planner, has really been shepherding this forward here to look at the historic preservation review procedures. And really what it does is it changes the appeals body of the, oh, the COA, which stands for... Certificate of Appropriateness. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. To the council. So previously that went to our planning commission. So now it it changes that. So it goes, if you have an appeal to a COA that was issued by the HPC, it then goes to the city council. Okay. So this includes uh, requiring a COA for on city-owned historic properties as well. And it also incorporates an administrative review for smaller, sort of normal, sort of exterior alterations in our historic district. Um, And then leaving uh, the major projects for our Historic Preservation Commission. So, again, it's just streamlining the review process, improving it, making it clearer on who you need to go to for approvals, and uh, hopefully making it easier for people to get projects yeah, through. Sure. All yeah. right, let's move on to edible cannabinoids. Yeah. That's tough to say early in the morning. Uh, we, we've <laughs> talked about this, and you've kind of wrestled with the uh, yeah. uh, 
legalization, I should say, like every city in the, in the state and every every probably every uh, government entity in the state, what to do with it now? Uh, but now we had talked last time about the fees, uh, yeah. the license fees for that, and you got that uh, issue settled last night. Yeah, so the ordinance had been uh, has been passed, and that's all completed, and the council is basically wrapping up what they needed to charge for a fee related to the licensing. So the range that w- that was kind of being discussed, carried over from last meeting, was somewhere between eight hundred and fifteen hundred dollars annually, is kind of where where we were kind of wrestling to to come up with finalizing it. And so I think the the council previously said, you know, we we realize that with new laws there might be some upfront costs. To, research and analyze with the attorneys and things that the city can cover but ongoing generally looking at the the licensing fees to help cover the cost related to insure you know doing the licensing and ensuring compliance related to the inspections and things and so it's a little hard on something like this we we have tobacco as an example and alcohol to give a general sense of that these are new products though that you know i think everybody recognizes are not you know, very regulated right now. And I think the state's got some work to do related to some of the details of that. So it's a, it's harder to predict in this case, uh, what exactly those we, we also don't know how many businesses might be interested in this, but staff was estimating that $1,500 probably reasonable. You know, when you look at inspections where we do, you know, where we go do people that aren't of age, we go do and test to make sure that you're not selling to underage and some of that. So there is time and money on that, that we do incur, um, so we felt that $1,500 was probably a reasonable estimate. and We'd take a look over the next year, kind of where we end up landing. Some of the people that are selling it now we know are also tobacco licensing and there's similar backgrounding checks. So we did, we did clarify a waiver of the $500 background fee that if they already have had that, they don't need to have it again. So that was changed from the last meeting. And then also we're recommending that this licensing run through the end of July um, rather than a calendar year, which means it'll be prorated. So it'll also be a little bit lower. So it's going to be closer to a thousand dollars to get through July, uh, for, for the initial license run. And then the legislature will be completed. We'll have a better perspective probably of what might change with the state. So that ended up passing last night by the council. Um, there was a split vote, so there were some differences, but you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're not really that far apart in my, from my perspective on the differences on the fees. Um, but ultimately, they, they kind of made their final decision, and that's where they felt it was comfortable to be and um, worked through it. So that was positive. The council gave some direction. When, pardon me. When will this uh, take effect? Is it uh, this morning? Can people go get their license now? Or Yeah, it's on our website. We've uh, posted it last night that, that it is out there. The ones that we know are selling it, we're directly contacting, and I think some of them are tracking it as well. Um, but if you have questions, the city clerk's office is the one to go through, and then they work with the police department on kind of the details. So they work together on on reviewing those applications, and it will go into effect in November, basically, um, for, for the new uh, licensing requirements. In addition to what uh, you mentioned there, will we have any additional restrictions or regulations as far as that goes? Are you, are you waiting for the state to give you a little more guidance on that? Where are we at? The local restrictions, uh, some of them are you have to be 21 to sell. Um, so the, if you know any retailer will have to make sure that people are 21 or older. Um, it also have to be behind the counter. I'm not sure locally whether they already are, um, uh, but it, it will have to. It won't be able to be out on a sales floor. So those are a couple of examples. Um, okay. And there's probably more. The state has packaging restrictions and things that we aren't adding any additional packaging restrictions that they already have at the state. So we'll be ensuring that the types of products that they'll be selling 
are consistent with what state law is. So that'll be part of our compliance and probably education as we uh, talk to the license holders uh, starting. Rich and I were talking uh, this morning about this, and he said to to the best of his knowledge, uh, Northfield is actually the first town to actually get laws and regulations and uh, some of these license fees and stuff uh, together. I'm sure a lot of other municipalities around the state are doing the same thing, but are you guys the first one? I I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I th- we have like over 800 cities yeah. right, in the state of Minnesota of all different sizes, shapes, and throughout the whole state, right? So I think a lot of cities are really grappling with this. Some of them put moratoriums in place. Some of them were trying to get uh, an ordinance in place in terms of mm-hmm. how to deal with it. Some of them are probably just waiting. And yeah. maybe they don't really see it as an issue, but I know it's people are concerned about it. And again, I just keep saying that the we have a lot of people, a lot of young people here in our community, and ensuring that it's a safe place for people to grow up means sometimes that you put some additional regulations on things like this when uh, the situation arises. And this mm-hmm. is something that uh, the state uh, put in place and with not a lot of regulation <laughs> around I'm, it. I'm sure there's going to be, uh, everybody's going to be uh, getting together and putting their regulations in. So let's move on. Any, we're, we're out of time, but I want to get anything else that uh, you'd like to mention while we have you here? Yeah. So just wanted to highlight that there's a market fair fall celebration this weekend. So it's going to be a little bit of cooler weather, but really just encourage people to get out and take part in that. There's about 70 vendors, three musical activities and fun activities for kids and adults. Bridge Square, again, 9 to 1. And then also we will be considering, the council will be looking at, at our next regular meeting, the consideration of a lease agreement for the Riverwalk organizers to be able to bring Riverwalk indoors with winter markets at the Northfield News Building. So it's just really Saturdays in November and then early December featuring local vendors. So great opportunity to utilize that existing building and make it possible for some of our our vendors and our artisans out there to be able to bring uh, their products and keep them on display and available for the local community to support. All right. Thank you so much for coming in today. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again uh, next week or in a couple of weeks. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Rich. Northfield Mayor. Excuse me. I, I called you Rich again. I did that last time. <laughs> you keep, keep doing that. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> it's a compliment. You've known me for like five or six years now, dude. We do this every week. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's going to do it for this segment. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk uh, news with uh, Tim McNiff, news in the side of sports and rich with local news in one minute. Minnesota News Network on 